Welcome, Christian Israel, truth lovers everywhere. We are Eurofolk Radio. This is Genesis to Revelation. The date is December 16, 2023. And we are getting into Isaiah chapter 14. But first, uh, good morning, Dan. How are you doing? Good morning. I'm doing good. How are you? All right. Yeah, I'm recovering from a cold. I'm much better than I was last night. But uh, I have some uh, quick news before we get into today's subject. And something which I, I put in my book, The Great Impersonation, I advocated telegony uh, from the very beginning of my identity life because I know farmers, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm a German, <laughs> you know, ha- half my family is farmers. And uh, I've been in touch with husbandmen, people who raise cattle and sheep and and, uh, and dogs, etc., etc. These people who have done the studies on their on their farms all believe in telegony, you know, and telegony is basically the fact that a, a mare, if impregnated by, let's say, a uh, a foreign uh, species like a, a zebra. So a horse impregnated by a zebra, well, the offspring is going to have stripes. It won't be a fully striped like a zebra, but it's going to be like half striped or quarter striped or something like that. And the these farmers, these uh, husbandmen, have realized that the same mare, if she's mated with her own species afterwards, the offspring will still show stripes. Okay. So what does that tell you? What does that tell you, Dan? Tells me that it's telegony is real. Yeah, that uh, there's some kind of contamination of her blood or DNA or something or uterus, something like that. Mm-hmm. That's what it tells us. And of course, science has denied this because uh, husbandmen can't know better than scientists, right? And the scientists don't want to deal with a subject like this because. It proves that the farmers know more than they do. Okay, the scientists would never want to admit that. So anyway, so this article here uh, is about. Let me uh, go to the other. Uh, I'll just quote a little bit of the introduction here, the abstract, and I'm going to do a show about this tomorrow on Voice of Christian Israel because this is really good news for me. Abstract. Telegony refers to the appearance of some characteristics of the female's previously mated male in her subsequent offspring by another male. According to, now, how is this possible? Okay. Uh, Surely, when a female gets impregnated by a male, there's only that male's DNA that's involved. Well, of course, if she's a virgin, if this is her first pregnancy, obviously yes, only that male's DNA. However, once she, if she has uh, sex with a another male, and gets, especially if she gets pregnant by that other male, then she really has the DNA of both sires floating around in her body. Now, what what would you say? Why wouldn't this be possible? I mean, it sounds very possible, right? Yeah. I mean, you see kids coming out looking like, (laughs) right? you know, 
Yeah, like Dinah Shore, she had a black baby and her white husband said, what's this? <laughs> right? <laughs> and that could have been telegony, right? Because she had uh, apparently had sex with a black person some years before. And that certainly could have been telegony. It could either be that she had sex with another black guy while she was married to her, her white husband or telegony. Okay. Either way. So uh, let's get a couple more sentences here because this is just going to be a, a warm-up for Voice of Christian Israel. According to evidence, telegony may occur either through the infiltration of sperm into the somatic tissues of the female genital tract or the presence of fetal genes in the mother's blood. It is highlighted that sperm penetrates into the mucosa of the uterine and possibly alter uterus, it should say here, and possibly alters the genetic structure, affecting the embryo and enduring from one pregnancy to the next. In scientific terms, folks. In scientific terms. Okay, very good. All right, looking forward to doing that show tomorrow. All right, Dan. So uh, let's get to it. Let's uh, let's talk about Isaiah fourteen. Over to okay. you. Okay, well, I'll give a little yeah. a brief recap. We covered 11 through 13 last week, and we actually had in chapter 11 the prophecy of Yeshua. And in verses 6 through 8, it stated that these different animals would live alongside of each other. The wolf and the lamb, the calf would be safe with the lion, and we kind of came to the conclusion that, that was the uh, these are the different <clears throat> symbols or standards of the different tribes. And that there would, uh, verse 13 says there's not going to be any more jealousy between Judah and Israel. So I kind of take that to mean that uh, there would be no more civil war. Right. Um, but at the same time, uh, it could very well mean that uh, in the next or earth or age that we could have these different animals who were formerly predators in this earth age living alongside each other. Yes, yes, that's possible. But I, I tend to think the latter that uh, you know it's more about Israel not uh, warring amongst ourselves anymore, mm-hmm. okay? Uh, especially in the CI community, where we realize that the Scots, the Irish, the British, the Germans, the Danes, uh, you know, the American, the English-speaking Israelites, Ephraim and Manasseh, are all of the same racial stock. And therefore, we should not hate one another because of minor cultural differences. You know how mm-hmm. cultural differences can be blown out of proportion, right? <laughs> okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, talk about soccer games, right? People get yeah. killed at soccer games for you know rooting for the wrong team, right? Amazing stuff. I right. Mean, well, that. Ridiculous. Go ahead. You're yeah, fighting you know. over a game that yeah. no one's going to remember in another five years anyway. That's right. That's right, because half the part, uh, half of the spectators have been killed and don't and, <laughs> and, and, and don't want to remember how bad it was. Yeah, I mean, it's rioting at soccer games is especially in the third world is uh, in Ireland too, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Is is a real problem. So yeah, you got I mean, it's our people that participate in these riots as well. Yeah, right. They get caught up in it, right? So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I've never, I've never been a soccer fan, although I played it when I was a young man in Chicago for Fortuna, a, a German team. 
and I wasn't very good, so I didn't last long. But I never really got into the sport. I may have gotten into it more had I done better, you know, on the field, but never really. Uh, I was more interested in baseball. Uh, mm-hmm. That was about the only sport I really participated in was baseball. So, uh, but uh, be that as it may, uh, even here in Chicago, when, when uh, the, the Cubs won the World Series, the, I couldn't believe the uh, fanaticism, people pouring out on the streets and uh, you know, jumping up on, on down on cars. At least they didn't burn anything down like they did yeah. in Vancouver when the Canucks won the, won the Stanley Cup. I mean, I, I thought the Canadians were more civilized, Dan. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> well, it makes it, – it really amazes me that people go so crazy over yeah. these games, you know. I mean, maybe when you're a kid, you get. I mean, I would get excited and all yeah. pumped up over. Well, no, when I was ten, eleven, twelve years old. But you know, you kind of yeah. get over it when you get older. It's, sure, you should. Important things, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like uh, keeping your family <laughs> fed, right, and keeping your job, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. That sort of thing, yeah. right? It's got to be way more yeah, important food than on sport. the table and having a roof yeah. over your head in the same yeah, neighborhood. Yeah. That stuff's yeah. kind of the most important as you get yeah. older, yeah. not who, who wins a football game yeah. or a yeah. baseball game. Yeah, and you, you order a pizza, you get some popcorn, you enjoy the game, but you don't let it make enemies you know, for you. It's just it's ridiculous. But that's the way that people treat sport. I guess they have nothing better in life, right, than professional sports. And I think in college, oh, I mean, yeah. it's been going on since uh, oh. what? Since back in the days of the the Roman Colosseum, where they keep people entertained. You know, right? Uh, it's good for it's great for the elites who run oh, yeah. the world because you know we we're dumping all our energy and time and energy into you know caring about who wins a, a game rather than yeah. paying attention to what they're doing. You know. Yeah, well, I think uh, it's the mass media that has hyped up these sports as well, right? That's With true. everything around it is uh, hyped up and made to seem more important than it really is, and people get uh, caught up in it, right? And who, who who backs? I mean, imagine if these players are making millions of dollars a year, imagine how much the owners are worth. Oh, man. Billions. So yeah. you've got these big money powers behind all of this, and that's why it's promoted so heavily because you've got – you got elites or the ones behind it. Yeah. You know, the, yes. big, the big money's behind it. So that's why it gets all the attention that it gets. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, uh, it's, it's still off the subject. Is this, uh, the subject is sports. But John Gruden, who was the coach of the Los Angeles Raiders, who got uh, fired because he tweeted about a black. Uh, 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 football team member that he had big lips right okay and this was like a horribly racist statement that well the guy had did literally have big lips right and even some other black players who held john gruden in high esteem uh said well that's not really racist he's just you know by the way this was a private email between himself and somebody else right that the Mm -hmm. league got hold of and used it to get him fired, right? Well, it turns out that there's a backstory, namely the NFL. And you know, 
the the real purpose of the National Football League or Negro Felon League is to promote interracial sex, right? Oh. You know that that's the true reason of the NFL. And so when John Gruden uh, made that email uh, and and the NFL found out about it, they said, oh, no, we cannot have this. We have to make an example of John Gruden. Well, John Gruden is suing the NFL over this because, number one, you're, you're taking privileged information between one person and another and blowing it into a national scandal. Uh, and... But for what reason? Well, the, the, the NFL has had problems with the, the Raiders organization uh, for a long, long time. And so it's really about the NFL versus the Raiders, and John Gruden just got caught up with it. But the judge has ruled, a female judge, by the way, has ruled in his favor twice. And it looks to me like John Gruden is going to win the lawsuit against the NFL and he's going to be laughing all the way to the bank. So, hooray! <laughs> Justice! Okay? This is going to be an interesting story. Anyway, let's get to our subject at hand today, Isaiah chapter 14. Back to you. Okay, uh, chapter 14. <clears throat> For Yahweh will have mercy on Jacob and will yet choose Israel and set them in their own land. And the strangers, and this word is ger in this case, which means for, uh, fellow Israelites, Adamites. Okay. Now, uh, join with them. Yeah, now this has to be viewed as a follow up to Isaiah 11. We spent a lot of time on yeah. Isaiah 11, showing that the Israelites will be re- relocated to Europe. Okay. But here again, it says will yet choose Israel and set them in their own land. Well, <coughs> well, which means they're not going back to Judea, so where are they going? Okay? And the strangers shall be joined with them. Uh, this uh, needs to be analyzed closely because this proves from Scripture the migrations, ger, because the Israelites merged with the Scythians who are Saxons by another name and there may have been Sarmatians and some others uh, of the Japhethites that merged with the Israelites in Europe. Okay? But it's telling us that the other land is Europe. Yeah. Right? This is... um... This goes back to verse chapter 11, verse 11, where it states that Yahweh would extend his hand a second time to recover the remnant of his people. Amen. So he's from the different places, from Assyria, Egypt, Pathros, or Upper Egypt, Cush, Elam, Sharnar, Mesopotamia, Hamath, and from the Isles of the Sea. So and, the first time was obviously referring to them coming out of Egypt, but this second time is... Um, from the, the uh, from the disbursement after yeah. the uh, captivity out, out of Assyria, yeah, out of Assyria. It, it, it yeah. says specifically Assyria, okay, yeah. And there's only one direction they could go, you know, they couldn't go east, they couldn't go west because the or this, I suppose they could have, but they didn't have the means to build ships and leave Assyria that way. 
So they had to go overland, and the only route was through the Caucasus. Mm-hmm. That's I mean, how they became known as Caucasians. Uh, no, that, that's no, that's just a coincidence. <laughs> that's just a coincidence, Dan. Don't, don't use logic. <laughs> All right. So, so folks, the the Bible makes total sense if you know our history. Mm-hmm. It's just that simple. But the vast majority of Judeos don't know history at all, not let alone Christian history, right? And the Jews are always distorting history to make themselves look like they're Israelites when in fact they're the synagogue of Satan and the Nephilim and the descendants of Cain, right? So talk about the world being confused. Well, here we are. The confusion still reigns in the minds of Israelites, in the minds of Saxons, etc. So here, uh, and then go ahead, read the whole verse, because this is an important verse. Uh, you're talking about the, the second verse as well? No, no, fourteen one. because uh, I, I interrupted you, or, or at least I interrupted okay. with the word strangers, which is ger, which uh, typically is kinsmen. Not strangers. Of a, right, yes. right. For Yahweh will have mercy on Jacob and will yet choose Israel and set them in their own land. And the strangers shall be joined with them and they shall cleave to the house of Jacob. Right. And so many of British Israel and Christian identity historians such as E. Raymond Capt have detailed the, the migrations and the travels of the 12 tribes north and west of Assyria. So there was a, a little bit of migration to the east, but not much. But even there, they eventually moved west and north. So the Danes, they migrated furthest north of all, okay, and also the tribe of Benjamin uh, migrated very far north. They eventually settled in Iceland. But we can trace the migrations of all 12 tribes into Europe without a doubt. Uh, you know, no argument. The doubters are the ones who don't know history. So Mm -hmm. this verse turns out to be very important because it confirms, as you say, Isaiah 11.11. All right? And that that the Israelites will have their own land, not in Palestine, but elsewhere. Back to you. Yep, and I forgot to mention, too, last week we covered chapter 13 where we had the uh, judgment against Babylon and the foretelling of the Medes conquering the Babylonians, which happened around 539 B.C. Uh-huh. And um, uh, so, yeah, everything in this Bible is true. It has come to pass. It is written, this book of Isaiah written 100 years ahead of time, predicted all of this. So, Yes. The Bible is not only accurate history, it's accurate prophecy. Mm-hmm. So, okay, uh, verse 2 of chapter 14. And the people shall take them and bring them to their place. And the house of Israel shall possess them in the land of Yahweh for servants and handmaids. And they shall take them captives, whose captives they were, and they shall rule over their oppressors. Okay, so in other words, well, it's prophesying the great military strength of the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Okay, and our strength was proved, well, the mere fact that the Israelite tribes were able to fight against the Assyrians 
and retain their integrity as a people and were able to escape from Assyria shows that they still had to have military prowess, okay? But uh, the fact that they conquered Europe proves it and created all the Mm -hmm. nation states and the companies of nations, which only the Israelites ever accomplished of the covenant seed of Abraham. Back to you. Verse 3. And it shall come to pass in the day that Yahweh shall give them shall give thee rest from from thy sorrow, and from thy fear, and from the hard bondage wherein thou wast made to serve. <clears throat> that thou shalt take up this proverb against the king of Babylon and say, How has the oppressor ceased? The golden city ceased. Yahweh has broken the staff of the wicked and the scepter of the rulers. He who smote the people in wrath with a continual stroke, he that ruled the nations in anger, is persecuted, and none hindereth. The whole earth is at rest and is quiet. They break forth into singing. Yea, the fir trees rejoice at thee, and the cedars of Lebanon, saying, Since thou art laid down, no feller is come up against us. Now, it's interesting here that Babylon was really the last, or let me put it this way, uh, it was the third great beast that had an enormous empire, okay, by military conquest. The Medes and Persians, I don't think, had a, you know, a, a penchant for, you know, conquest, you know, because, uh, for, for the sake of conquest, okay, although later on, after, uh, later on, the Persians and the Greeks had major wars against one another, but I think that was actually precipitated by the Greeks, okay? So maybe somebody knows better, but it seems to me that the Persians were not as brutal a military empire as the Babylonians and the subsequent Greeks. I don't think they were trying to rule the world like the Babylonians and and, uh, Alexander was. But, uh, and so I think this telling us that the whole earth is at rest. Uh, certainly the, uh, what's, uh, oh, who was the first, uh, Cyrus, Cyrus, yeah. Cyrus was a very peaceful king, and he's the one who allowed the Israelites to return to Jerusalem, okay? And he was an ally, yeah. So uh, I think this reflects upon the nature of the Persian Empire here. Okay, back to you. Okay. So it says, we left off verse 8, even the the cypresses and the cedars of Lebanon will exalt since Babylon will be made low and no woodcutter comes against us. Right, there Uh, we go. Verse 9, hail from beneath is moved for thee to meet thee at thy coming. It stirs up the dead for thee, even all the chief ones of the earth. It has raised up from their thrones all the kings of the nations. So in other words, in the place of the dead, Sheol or Hades, there is excitement over your arrival and the spirits of the world leaders and mighty kings long dead stand up to see you. In other words, uh-huh. yeah, they, they will be treating Babylon. <laughs> right, right. Well, of course, I think it's also uh, talking about the Israelites here that uh, the Israelites will become a mighty empire in their own right. You know, yep. after after they migrate north. Okay. These are extremely important verses, folks. All right, back to you. 
verse 10. <clears throat> All they shall speak and say unto thee, Art thou also become weak as we? Art thou become like us? Okay, here they're addressing Babylon for sure, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, go ahead. Thy pomp is brought down to the grave. In other words, yep. Babylon's pomp. Yeah, and all the your pomp of the files. Your your seventy six trombones and pom pom <laughs> girls ain't gonna <laughs> cut it anymore. All right. The worm is spread under thee, and the Ooh. worms cut thee. So, yep. maggots are on your blanket. That's right. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground, which did weaken the nations? And I think here a lot of times people think this is referring to to Satan, but he's the subject here is Babylon. Oh yeah, he's he's talking to to Babylon and saying calling Babylon O Lucifer. Yes, yes, but a lot of people falsely conclude that even uh, this is uh, a metaphor. Okay, uh, they, since the subject is Babylon, and uh, Babylon is addressed as Lucifer. They want to additionally argue that Lucifer or Satan does not exist, that this is just a metaphor. But the the language does not imply that. Uh, Babylon is being compared with Satan, but that does not yeah. mean that Satan doesn't exist, right? Well, we know he exists. He yeah. walked to and in the earth in, in the book of Job when we covered that. Yeah, exactly. Okay. And, of course, uh, there are spiritual forces. Uh, uh, Paul says that, the uh, Satan is the prince of the power of the air, right? That's not a nation. What's the power of the air? Well, j- just about anything. It's a, it's spiritual and physical. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Please continue. Verse 13. For thou hast said in thine heart, this is Babylon, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mountain of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. Now, the question here is, did any of the Babylonian kings ever aspire to take the place of Yahweh Elohim? I don't think there's anything in history that suggests that they did. So they were just interested in conquering the physical nations around them. Okay? Now, I don't think any of the Babylonian kings pretended to be God, right, or, or more than human beings. So I think this is why Lucifer is uh, you know, addressed here, because it's comparing Babylon to Lucifer, but the the comparison breaks down because no Babylon, Babylonian king ever wanted to take the place of Lucifer or take the place of Yahweh. I don't think there's any evidence to that extent, you know, to that effect. All right, back Didn't to you. they have their own gods? Didn't the Babylonians oh, yeah. have? Yeah, yeah, yeah. These are we would all consider them lesser gods, right? Mm-hmm. To the extent that they, you know, just like the Roman emperors, you had to worship that that emperor as if he were a god, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So maybe to that extent, if they demanded that their people worship them as if they're a god, but uh, you know, only to that extent. All right, okay. But, you know, uh, let me put it this way, that these mortal rulers didn't believe that they themselves were immortal, (laughs) right? That's Mm -hmm. just the official position of the government, okay, of the kingdom. All right, back to you. 
So we have a lot, basically what we have in here is the subject is still Babylon, but he's making the comparison to yeah Satan yeah. to Lucifer. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, and Swamp Fox says he loves all of his creation. He just hates anyone who wants to change it. Yeah, and that's Lucifer, right? And so these evil empires who have a lot of Luciferians, namely Nephilim, in the establishment, especially the banksters, you know, operating in the background behind the king, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, all the way through all eight beasts of the book of Revelation, we have the existence of the Nephilim as bankers, okay, always there, always ready to distort and corrupt the nation for their own purposes, okay, and they're still here today. But fortunately, the Bible predicts their demise, and that's coming very soon, very soon. It's going to be exciting, folks. We're living in the most exciting times of history. We're actually going to witness the collapse of Mystery Babylon, the international banking system. Can't wait. All right. Verse 15, yet thou shalt be brought down to hell, to the sides of the pit. They that see thee shall narrowly look upon thee and consider thee, saying, is this the man that made the earth to tremble, that did shape kingdoms? Yeah, this little hunchback Jew with a big nose, (laughs) Rothschild. (laughs) The little guy, he's the the guy who was ruling the whole world? Really? Really? Yeah, because he had a team of assassins to terrorize all the politicians on the planet. Yeah, he basically bribes the politicians. The politicians are like kind of like middle managers. They're wannabes. That's so right. They, you know, they want to, they're social strivers. They want to move up. They want to be big shots. So. Right. Yeah, and when the U.S. Constitution was, the character of the Constitution was changed, after the Civil War with the 14th Amendment, the uh, nature of our representatives changed as well because up until that time, it was basically purely local representation. You elected people, even at the state level, people who were known to the common people of that state, right? And you could get to meet them at a pub or at at a meeting hall or an outdoor gathering and know the person, right? I mean... Uh, so, let's say Florida. Uh, to what extent does the average Floridian know Ron DeSantis? <laughs> I don't. <laughs> personally, right? Yeah, nobody. I don't know anyone who yeah. does know him but, personally. But those who bribe him, right, <laughs> they know oh, yeah. him very well, right? And they tell <laughs> him what to do, okay? So, we still have this Babylonian system economically. You, you name the uh, nation, it doesn't matter what nation it is. But the Babylonian system is still here, and that's what rules the world. Money makes the world go round, and truth puts the foot on the brakes. Unfortunately, the bra- <laughs> what's that song by uh, the British group, uh, the uh, locomotive breath? The, tra- the train keeps rolling, there's no way to slow down the brakes. The brakes yeah. on the train have, have failed, and there's a bridge coming up, folks, <laughs> a, a washed-out bridge. That's what's going to happen to the economy very, very soon, folks. Get ready. Get ready. You know, they they really totally hijacked the economy when they oh, did yeah. away with the gold and silver standard right. that we used to have. Right. Yeah, and the inflation is really bad. We're, we're in a hyperinflationary spiral. 
There's no way to stop it. I was at the lumber yard a couple of days ago to buy a piece, a small piece of plywood because I had to cut a shelf. And I'm looking at the prices of three quarter inch plywood. A four by eight sheet of three quarter inch plywood is a hundred dollars. A hundred dollars. And a quarter sheet of plywood is like 30 bucks because you're always paying more for the smaller sheet. So, so I, I opted to get a piece of flake board, right, which is to press, you know, the, the cuttings that go on the floor of the mill, and they glue it all together, press it together, and that's called plywood or flake board, or, or sometimes it's just plain old dust glued together, various ways to make, make use of all that material. But nevertheless, it's still $100 for a sheet of 4 by 8 plywood. It's ridiculous. Wow. Uh, you know, like four years ago, it was like 25 bucks. Mm-hmm. Okay? So the inflation is upon us. There's no way to stop the inflationary spiral. And, you know, especially now, and that's the reason why they lowered interest rates to zero, is to, you know, prevent the inflationary spiral from happening. They needed time to decide which corporations will survive and which have to go. Actually, but, them yeah. lowering interest rates only made things worse because you have more borrowing at that point. And since oh, yeah. all money is borrowed into existence, That's that right. made the inflation increase even more because you have yeah. more money being created. Out yeah. of nothing. Well, I think it's part of the sucker syndrome. They lower the interest rates to get home buyers to get loans and get yeah. more into debt. As you say, yeah. all money – since oh, since the Federal Reserve Act is borrowed into circulation, it's borrowed into circulation, which means it automatically incurs debt, and so that creates inflation too, right? Because the debt the debt spiral increases, and the government has to print money so that people have the bucks to pay their debts, right? Mm-hmm. But now the, the the inflationary spiral is so high, the money is losing its value. And nobody's able to pay their debt. And the bond market is getting ready to collapse. The housing market has already collapsed. And when they raised the interest rates, that, that busted the housing market. Uh, malls are closing all over the country. And food prices are escalating as well. Okay, so folks, we've been warning you here at Eurofolk Radio, you better be a prepper. You better have a store of food you know, canned goods, and even if they're not uh, prepper goods, uh, canned food actually lasts several years beyond its so-called expiration date. Mm-hmm. So you can survive on canned tuna, right? If you have to, you can survive on canned tuna. But costs are going to dramatically escalate. It's going to get higher and higher and higher. There's no end to it. The, it won't, will not end until it collapses of its own weight, okay? This is what we're looking at, folks. All right, back to you. A lot of asides no today, pay- but the, yeah. I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah, there are a lot of uh, you know, off-topic stuff, but it's very important that we deal with these subjects right now. Okay, back to you. Yeah, okay. Uh, I think it's a verse 17, speaking of the, uh, the uh, king of Babylon, that made right. the world as a wilderness and destroyed the cities thereof that opened not the house of his prisoners. Uh-huh. In other words, he never let his prisoners go home. Right. All the kings of the nations, 
even all of them lie in glory, every one in his own house or in his own tomb. As right. Yeah. But thou art cast out of thy grave like an abominable branch, and as the raiment of those that are slain, thrust through with a sword, that go down to the stones of the pit as a carcass trodden under feet. Thou shalt not be joined with them in burial, because thou hast destroyed thy land and slain thy people. The seed of evildoers shall never be renowned. Okay, except in their own history books. Mm -hmm. In other words, they're not going to be given a proper burial because they've All destroyed right. their nation, slaughtered their people. And, yep. such, and the descendants of such evil people will never yep. receive honor. Yeah, like the Jew Bolsheviks. That, that's actually <laughs> true because the Jews don't want to admit that they were the Bolsheviks. So basically, they don't teach anything about the Bolshevik coup of Russia. Okay. I never heard of it in school. We were never taught that. Right. Yeah, yeah, because they don't want you to know that the Jews are the communists, right? You, mm -hmm. you, you can't know that. that. That would be bad for the Jews, okay? All right. Verse 21, prepare slaughter for his children for the iniquity of their fathers, that they do not rise, nor possess the land, nor fill the face of the world with cities. <clears throat> for I will rise up against them, saith the Lord of hosts, and cut off from Babylon the name and remnant and son and nephew, saith Yahweh. I will also make it a possession for the bittern and pools of water, and I will sleep it with the besom of destruction, saith Yahweh of hosts. Okay, the bitterness so in other words, of bird. It's going to be a, yeah. Babylon God. is going to be made desolate. That's right. And literally was. Literally yeah. was made desolate. This is a, nothing but a desert. And, uh, you know, the only people who uh, go there are well, the Bedouins, you know, going from one place to another, and archaeologists, right? Those are the only people living in, the, in this ancient city of Babylon. All right? Very interesting stuff. Okay. Verse 24, now we're coming to an oracle concerning Assyria. <clears throat> Yahweh of hosts has sworn, saying, Surely as I have thought, so shall it come to pass. And, I, and as I have purposed, so shall it stand. That I will break the Assyrian in my land, and upon my mountains tread him underfoot. Then shall his yoke depart from off them, and his burden depart from off their shoulders. This is the purpose that is purposed upon the whole earth. And this is the hand that is stretched out upon all the nations. For Yahweh of hosts has purposed, and who shall disannul it? And his hand is stretched out, and who shall turn it back? Verse 28, now we're going to be talking about uh, the Philistines. Verse 28, in the year that King Ahaz died was this burden. Rejoice not thou, O Palestina, because the rod of him that smote thee is broken. For out of the serpent's root shall come forth a cockatrice, and his fruit shall be a fiery flying serpent. <clears throat> so what this is saying is do not rejoice, Philistines, because the rod that struck you is broken, yep. and that the king who attacked you is dead, for from that snake a more poisonous snake is going <laughs> to be born, and that right. fiery snake is going to destroy you. Verse 30, 
And the firstborn of the poor shall feed, and the needy shall lie down in safety. And I will kill thy root with famine, and he shall slay thy remnant. So he's going to wipe, right. wipe them out with famine is what he's saying. That's right. Howl, O gate, cry, O city, thou whole Palestina art dissolved. For there shall come from the north a smoke, and none shall be alone in his appointed times. So he's going to send a powerful army from the north. Uh-huh. <clears throat> and in verse 32. Well, that, shall... that would have been Greece. Greece, just Greece. Uh, Alexander, took over uh, the entire eastern Mediterranean. Even as far so, down as Egypt, yeah. This was after the the Medes. This was right. Oh yeah. Right. Greece. Yeah. Yeah, but <laughs> also addressing uh, again Isaiah chapter eleven comes to mind because these people of the so-called Philistines were actually the paganized Israelites that abode in ships and established outposts in Carthage and in Spain and elsewhere, and these uh, incorrectly named Phoenicians. But they were, in fact, Israelites spreading west. Okay, so here again, the migrations of Israel are a main feature of Isaiah. Back to you. And verse 32, what shall one then answer the messenger, the messengers of the nation? That Yahweh has founded Zion, and the poor of his people shall trust in it. Okay. So, Yahweh's built saying Yahweh has built Jerusalem and the walls will get its walls will give refuge to his oppressed people. Amen. Amen. So what is Jerusalem? Are we talking about prophetic Jerusalem or literal Jerusalem? Obviously, even literal. Yeah. Well, even the house of Judah eventually had to leave literal Jerusalem. And so whenever you read these prophecies, you have to determine whether or not you know, are, are, is it talking about literal Jerusalem in the past tense or future, you know, the new Jerusalem, you know, Sheldon Emery's great work on that sort of the old Jerusalem is not the new Jerusalem. And in fact, America is the new Jerusalem, okay? But mm -hmm. uh, yeah, these prophecies have to be read very carefully to make a distinction among them. All right, chapter 15. Chapter 15, this is concerning Moab. The burden of Moab, because in the night are of Moab is laid waste, and brought the silence. Because in the night, Kerr of Moab is laid waste, and brought the silence. And these are two cities that were in Moab, uh -huh. by the way. He has gone up to, Be to Bejith and to Dibon, the high places, to weep. Moab shall howl over Nebo and over Medaba. On all their heads shall be baldness, and every beard cut off. So these, they must have had those were these where they had their pagan temples. In, yeah. Um, in Dibon, and what it's saying is that they will uh, wail for the fate of their their gods, and shave their heads in sorrow and cut off their beards. Right. That was a sign of of mourning back in those days. Right. Verse three: In their streets they shall gird gird themselves with sackcloth on the tops of their houses and in their streets everyone shall howl weeping abundantly <clears throat> and Heshbon shall cry and Elilah their voice shall be heard even unto Jahaz 
Therefore, the armed soldiers of Moab shall cry out. His life shall be grievous unto him. So in other words, the people of Heshbon and Elilah will, are going to be crying because of all this uh, uh, going to be done to Moab. Right. Even the, their bravest warriors are going to cry out in terror because they're going to be helpless. Now, it's interesting that the Moabites and the Ammonites still existed at this time. We're, we don't know exactly how those nations operated, but apparently they were pretty much still Israelites. You know, they, uh, they definitely started uh, adopting pagan ways, uh, but uh, it's hard to say whether the, these people were still racially Adamic primarily, probably were primarily Adamic, but they were not friends of Israel, true Israel. Yeah, so, I think they were Adamic. Well, they, I mean, they came from Lot. That's was, right. You know, they're descendants of Lot, but uh, I think they had just gotten into a lot of idolatry yeah. and, and like you said, you know, worshiping these pagan gods. Right. All right, verse 5. My heart shall cry out for Moab. His fugitives shall flee unto Zor, a heifer of three years old. For by the mounting up of Luhith, with weeping shall they go, go it up. For in the way of Horonim, they shall raise up a cry of destruction. So as Isaiah says, my heart shall cry out for Moab. Uh, why would he cry out for Moab? if they're not an Adamic people. Mm -hmm. so, so he's kind of commiserating for their suffering. Mm -hmm. Okay. Very interesting. All right. For the waters of Nimrim shall be desolate, for the hay is withered away. The grass fails. There is no green thing. So everything, the waters are all dried up. The grass is withered. Vegetation's right. gone. Nothing, nothing left. <clears throat> Therefore, the verse seven, therefore, the abundance they have gotten and that which they have laid up, shall they carry away to the brook of willows? For the cry is gone round about the borders of Moab, the howling thereof unto Eglon and the howling thereof into Berelim. So just uh, cries of distress from one part of the land to the other, all right. over the, the entire land. Yeah, and you have to uh, understand that there were periodic droughts throughout the Middle East, <coughs> which caused this kind of suffering, but also wars. You know, it's not just the, what do you call it, the uh, these kingdoms, these brutal kingdoms causing problems, but drought, uh, you know, physical problems, uh, maybe some rivers dried up here and there, a lack of rainfall. Uh, these all cause kingdoms to simply disintegrate. Right? Yeah, because we are talking about the Middle East here. So. That's right. <coughs> okay. Um, verse 9. For the waters of Diamond shall be full of blood. For I will bring more upon Diamond. Lions upon him that escaped of Moab and upon the remnant of the land. So... The survivors are going to be, um, that try to flee are going to get caught. Right. Yeah. Lions will hunt down the survivors, but those who try to escape and those, both those who try to escape and those who remain behind. 
Yeah, well, the drought affects the lions, too. They eat pumas, mm-hmm. which they don't normally do, right? Okay. Yeah. Yuck. We have to eat humans now. Oh, boy. All right. So Brother Abair says, but wouldn't the incest DNA continue generation after generation? Yeah, speaking of Moab and Ammon, well, of course it would. And But nevertheless, all we're saying is that uh, Isaiah sympathizes with them, you know, because they are actually, they're still Adamites, even though they're products of incest. Mm-hmm. Maybe telegony too, right? <laughs> so, and maybe that's maybe that's why they they fell into the uh, the idolatry and the pagan pagan oh, yeah. gods so much is because of that incestuous blood may affect may have affected their their minds. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, DNA affects your mind too, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Swamp Fox says I don't think there's a way to unadulterate. No, no. So, uh, yeah, that's a problem. That's why. As Swamp Fox said earlier, that's why virgins are so, so so much treasured throughout the world, right? At least until lately, virginity is no longer treasured. You know, having a woman with pure blood, wow, yeah. who cares? Who cares anymore, right? But we should, because uh, the purity of our blood is paramount. That's what the Bible is all about. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Next chapter. Chapter 16, send ye the lamb to the ruler of the land from Selah to the wilderness, unto the mount of the daughter of Zion. For it shall be that as a wandering bird cast out of the nest, so the daughters of Moab shall be at the fords of Arnon. So it's basically saying that the women of Moab are left like homeless birds right? at the Arnon River. First yeah, now maybe pick. maybe this is talking about the destruction of Moab and and uh, and Ammon, that uh, they 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 finally the, their tribes the identity of the tribes finally just withered away, and we don't hear much about them in history after this point in time. Mm-hmm. Very little. All right, back to you. Um, <clears throat> first three, take counsel, execute judgment. Make thy shadow as the night in the midst of the noonday. Hide the outcast, berate not him that wanders. Verse 4, let mine outcast dwell with thee, Moab. Be thou a covert to them from the face of the spoiler. For the extortioner is at hand. The spoiler ceases. The oppressors are consumed out of the land. In other words, let our refugees stay among you. Hide them from right. our enemies until the terror is past. And right. when the oppression right. and destruction have ended, the enemy, the enemy and enemy raiders have disappeared. Verse okay. 5, And in mercy shall the throne be established, and he shall sit upon it in truth in the tabernacle of David, judging and seeking judgment and hasting righteousness. So it's saying, Then God will establish one of David's descendants as king. Right. And he's going to rule with mercy and truth. He'll do what's just and be eager to do what is right. Verse 6, we have heard of the pride of Moab. He is very proud, even of his haughtiness and his pride and his wrath. But his lies shall not be so. So apparently the Moab was a very prideful people. Right, oh, which we would expect. Is they, they hated Israel, mm-hmm. right? And so did uh, Ammon. Okay. 
Therefore shall Moab howl for Moab. Everyone shall howl or weep, I should better yes. say. For the foundations of Kerharasheth shall ye mourn. Surely they are stricken. For the fields of Heshbon languish and the vine of Sibma. The lords of the heathen have broken down the principal plants thereof. They are come even to Jazer. They wandered through the wilderness. Her branches are stretched out. They are gone over the sea. So what the saying is, the fields of Heshbon have withered along with the great vines of Sibma. The rulers of the nations have trampled its, the choicest vines and have reached as far as Jazer and spread toward the desert. Their shoots have spread out and passed over the Dead Sea. Yeah, now, whether, yeah, whether all this chaos is caused by war or drought, or both, or, or both, or both yeah, uh, it's not really being stated here, but uh, Yahweh uses these forms of judgment for all nations, no doubt. Okay. Oh, yeah. Therefore, I will be well with the weeping of Jazer, the vine of Sibma. In other words, he will weep for Jazer and the vineyards of Sibma. Uh-huh. I will water thee with my tears, O Heshbon, and Elilah, for the shouting of thy summer fruits and for thy harvest is falling. So no more shouts of joy over the summer fruits and harvest. Right. And that's either a man-made cause due to war or, like you say, it could be a drought. Yeah. Verse 10, and gladness is taken away and joy out of the plentiful field. And in the vineyards there shall be no singing. Neither, neither shall there be shouting. The treaders shall tread out no wine in their presses. I have made their vintage shouting to cease. So no more, no one's treading out the wine and the wine at the presses, and no one sings or shouts in the vineyards anymore. Yeah, except for the grapes of wrath. Yeah. <laughs> Wherefore my vowels shall sound like a harp for Moab, and my inward parts for Kerharish. So his his heart's cry for Moab is like a lament on a harp, is what he's saying. Yeah. So it sounds to me like you know it, it's a lamenting, even though these are not Israelites, but nevertheless they are the product. Uh, since you, you mentioned they're the product of Lot, and you know, Yahweh does not hate anybody other than Edom, Edom and the Nephilim and the seed line of Cain. So mm-hmm. uh, is this is like a lament? It's more like an, a lament. Then it is a you know a, a judgment, a well-deserved judgment. Okay. And it shall come to pass, when it is seen that Moab is weary on the high place, that he shall come to his sanctuary to pray, but he shall not prevail. So they're going to go to their pagan shrines, but it's not right. going to do them good. Right. They'll cry to their gods, but no one's going to be able. Those gods aren't going to be able to save them. This is the word that Yahweh has spoken concerning Moab since that time. But now Yahweh has spoken, saying, Within three years, as the years of a hireling, and the glory of Moab shall be contemned with all that great multitude, and the remnant shall be very small and feeble. Okay. So only a few feeble Yeah, Moabites. Yep. Yeah. So, Within three uh, years. Yeah, so I don't think there are any, after this judgment here, that uh, any Moabites, uh, any Moabite nation would have survived, okay? The, their culture is destroyed, their people are destroyed, and uh, there's nobody, 
in the world that I know of in the Middle East that uh, considers themselves to be Moabites or Ammonites. Okay, mm-hmm. so they just you know it ended. This is speaking of their end, and they're not coming back. All right, so very interesting stuff. Okay, All right. folks. Well, um... Yeah. I guess we can, uh, we're about out of time. Yeah. We'll pick it up with chapter 17 next week. Yeah, and I just want to remind everybody on Voice of Christian Israel, I'm going to be doing this uh, topic of, uh, what was it? We started out the show with Telegony. Uh, we're going to be talking about Telegony on Voice of Christian Israel tomorrow. I'm looking very much forward to that. In the meantime, take care, everybody. Uh, let Yahweh guide your ways. And truth and justice be your method in your own life. The imitation of Yahshua Messiah is the way we're supposed to behave, despite all of the challenges we face in our daily lives. And I don't know any Israelite who hasn't faced one challenge after another their their entire lives long. All right. So thank you all for joining us here. And we'll see you, uh, well, hopefully tonight on Restoration Hour. And for the two shows on Sunday, and uh, telegony. Telegony is going to be the major topic Sunday afternoon. Okay, everyone, take care. Thank you, Dan. Yep. Thank you. Yeah, we bless everybody. Bye-bye. Bye. Now me and Scoop got to make us a trip. Me and Scoop got to make us a trip. Dear Scoop. Dear Scoop.